in what will be um, an extra saddle pod as we take an alternative and segued deep dive into the beloved 1970s sitcom The Good Life. Um, so let me introduce you to my very special interviewee, writer James Hogg. Hi James. Hello, hello, good evening. James has written the authorised biography of The Good Life star Richard Briers, who stars as Tom Good. Uh, called More Than Just a Good Life, and it was published in 2018 by Constable. And this is a book that's been described as um, casting a spotlight over the rich diversity of a much-loved actor's career, and it reveals Briars to be very likeable and a modest person. You had the support of, of Briars' family, that's right, isn't it, James, when you wrote the book. Is he someone that you were in contact with personally? Yes, I was down to, I'm, I do a lot of ghostwriting, so right. I've written a few biographies, but I do a lot of ghostwriting, so I help celebrities and, and you know, people I admire write their, their books, and um, one of the people I got in contact with was Richard Briers. Uh, unfortunately, about six months before he very rudely died, oh. um, and uh, he, he rang me up. He was very interested, but he had very, very bad emphysema yeah. um, at the time, which is obviously what, what saw him off. Mm. And um, we chatted, and um, I think he'd had a few. <laughs> I'd had a few. And, um, and I, I said something that made him laugh. And honestly, it, it, um, it took him about 15 minutes to come back. It almost killed him. Oh, horrible. my goodness. So um, it, was, it was a very bittersweet moment. But... You know, had Richard lived for another year, we would probably have got it off the ground. But when he died, I, you know, I left it a year um, and I thought, no, sod it. Um, something has to be done. Something has to be written. And so I got in touch with the family and um, and we took it from there. Oh, wonderful. Was he someone that you admired the work of? Oh, massively, massively. Mm. I only, I, I've done, I think I've, I've ghosted or collaborated on 25 books. Uh, so far and they're all people that I admire so I would you know I don't I'm not a ghost for hire so I will get in yeah. touch with the people I want to write a book with and I'll say let's write a book so which is great because I end up doing books with people I, I admire Richard Briers is is up there I can't think of anybody he's my favorite actor yeah so he still is so uh, yeah I, I still dream it's I don't I, I don't have many regrets but one of the few I have is not meeting um, and writing a book with Richard Bryce. But the next best thing was was doing the the authorised biography. So you've got everybody else. So you've got the next best thing. Absolutely. And I'm guessing that um, along your journey of, of writing the book, most people had something wonderful to say about him, I'm guessing. Did you ever get the gist of him as a person ever losing his temper? Because he's not the kind of person that I sort of see as ever being miserable or cross. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, he's somebody who, who had to play King Lear. I saw him play King Lear with the Renaissance Company back in the early 90s. And you have to be, <laughs> you've got to be able to lose your, is it, yeah, lose your temper big time in, yeah. the, in a role like that. And yes, he yes he could. Not, not, not easily, not easily. He didn't mm. suffer fools. And there are certain, you know, if, if we talked off camera, then I, I could tell you about a few people who, who wound him up the wrong way. 
but generally he was very amiable and and you know affable and um no he was um he was an actor's actor yeah he enjoyed what he did he liked a glass and and he was out for a good time really oh fantastic do you think he ever sort of begrudged um the success of the good life because i suppose that could be seen as a bit of a bit of a flimsy role compared to stage acting shakespearean acting do you think he ever felt a bit resentful towards his role as tom good the the absolute opposite the yeah absolute opposite richard grew up he was born in what 30 i think it was 32 um or 34 and um he he grew up in the in the hungry 30s if you like never had much money and his the thing that inspired him, apart from from acting, was was a well. The thing that motivated him was was a, a, a morbid fear of being skint, um, right. and that was that was his his motivation. Um, so something like the Good Life, where yeah, I suppose he could become typecast to a certain extent. He didn't. He really, really didn't care because he was in the moment. He was putting food on the table. He was putting money by. He was he was an, he was a jobbing actor. He always used to um, he always used to introduce himself as Dickie Breer's jobbing <laughs> actor, which is what he was. He was a jobbing actor. He went from job to job. So absolutely not. He said to Penelope Keith after they finished making I think the first series, he said, "You do realise nothing for all four of us will ever be the same again." <laughs> so he, he knew what it meant. He knew what was happening. You know, he knew he knew mm. that that how big you know, the, what, what the good life was going to become. Uh, but no, he had no, no truck with it whatsoever. Do you think there was a role that particularly made him the happiest out of, out of his entire career? Was there, was the one moment, do you think, um, when he was working that sort of stood out to him? Well, it wasn't that role. Mm. The role didn't do it for him at all. He didn't like Tom Good. He thought Tom Good was conceited, um, selfish, which he was. Yeah. Uh, I think Tom Good as a character was better for knowing. So, you know, at the beginning of The Good Life, you didn't like him at the end. You, you know, you, you liked him a bit more. Mm. Role-wise, but the, the thing that he loved, he loved the ensemble. He loved the people uh, with The Good Life. So that made up for the fact that he didn't like the character. Um, but um, role, he, Martin Bryce was, he, he had a lot of empathy for, for Martin Bryce. And he yeah. felt sorry for him, which is why I think his portrayal of uh, Martin Bryce is, is one of the greatest ever seen on on British television, you know, world television. I think it's it's a work of, um, a portrayal of genius. I really, really do. I, d- I don't know. Um, there, there are certainly, he never, t- he never spoke of roles in that way. He found Leah very, very challenging. Didn't think he was worthy. He was horrifically modest. Mm. Um, and if you'd spoken to him 20 years before and said, you know, 20 years time, you'll do Leah. Oh no, I could never do that. No, no, it's, it's beyond me. Um, so, he, I think he always he always he was too modest to to get that involved in describing roles, you know, in, in equating yeah. them with with his own ability. Do you think his his professional relationship with um, someone like Kenneth Branagh sort of cemented his reputation as a serious actor as well, um, and and as well as as like being a national treasure? Oh yeah, absolutely. Not with not not certainly not with being a national treasure. That was mm. that was done and dusted. By the time Branner came round, yeah. But um, Richard had played. I'll give you an example, right? In the early, it was 1972. He played Richard the Third. It was a, a tour, national tour. Derek Jacobi um, yeah. was 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 in it. It was, you know, it was it was playing all the big theatres, and he was playing somewhere like Darlington or whatever. 
and he was just coming up to the the what is it? This is the winter of our discontent or whatever. He's alone on stage, and somebody in the crowd shouts, "Hello, Dick!" <laughs> and and he found himself lifting his hand ever so slightly to wave at the man <laughs> to acknowledge the fact that he'd 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 recognised him, which I've I've found was was absolutely. Um, so that, that was he was never taken seriously. He tried it. Um, he did Chaucer. He did all kinds of things. Mm. Chichester Festival. But then Branner came along and said, OK, this is what I want to do with you. And it was manna from heaven because he'd never been, he'd never had a, a mentor in that particular uh, genre, if you like. Yeah. And then Branner comes along, this young pretender who's, <laughs> you know, knee high to a grasshopper in his 30s. And sees something that, that nobody else has, because then he was, by that time, he was typecast as a, as a light comedian. He was P.G. Woodhouse, you know, Esmond and Larby, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And then Branner comes along and says, no, you know, I want you to, to play, uh, I want you to play Malbonio. I want you to play Lear. Um, and and it, first, he um, he had no, I'll tell you what, he was, it, we talk about Branner as he is now. He's Sir Kenneth Branner. Back then, he was nobody. Mm. So Richard was taking a massive risk by getting involved in this 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 upstart, this somebody, this this actor, uh, actor director who nobody had heard of, and you know ended up doing world tours with him, etc. But um, one Richard loved having loved loved being solvent, and he he liked taking all the safe roles. But he would also take a he would also take a chance. Fantastic. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. In terms of TV um, and his own preferences, what do you know what kind of things that he would choose to watch? Um, I know that, I'll tell you what, one of the, the great joys about writing his biography, Lucy Briars, his daughter, invited me to the family home, which they'd lived in since the, the 60s, yeah. and showed me into his study, uh, which had been kind of just left. No, you know, it wasn't like Kenneth Williams' flat, you know, covered in, <laughs> in cling film or anything. But, it, you know, they hadn't really touched it. But they hadn't really touched it for the simple reason they didn't know, really know what to do with it all. Mm. And they said to me, would you go through it? Almost an, an archive of everything. Oh, what a job. You have no idea. That, oh, I know. It wasn't wow. bad. And he had all these, all these bits and pieces from RADA. Honestly, th this is an episode on its own, to, mm. just to tell you. I, I did it on his birthday. Uh, I did a... I think you, you might have seen it. I, I posted some stuff on Twitter, just bits and pieces from from his study, mm. you know, letters that he'd written to and from people and, and stuff like that. But his his books, it was it was lights of I mean, he was a massive PG Woodhouse fan, mm. um huge PG Woodhouse fan. It was a, a lot of light stuff, but it was it was strange. He would read um a lot of Chekhov as well. So he he had a, I think his breadth of work on the stage in, in in TV didn't do his his taste justice in the sense that he had a, a much more Catholic taste when it came to reading. Yeah, uh, he would read absolutely anything. He really really would. Uh, but he loved cartoons as well. Giles, yeah, um, the cartoonist. He was a massive massive Giles fan. One of the first fan letters he wrote was to Giles. Um, and I, I think I posted the 
I'm not sure if Giles actually knew who he was. He just sent this very nice letter saying, thank you, hello, Richard Bryce. Thank you very much indeed. And I posted it. But um, no, he, he, was, he was very well read, but it was within, it was sort of, it was mainly, it was uh, Woodhouse and then playwrights, you know, Chaucer, you know, uh, Ibsen, Pid and Ibsen, Shakespeare, etc. So, yeah. There's a couple of things that I've, that I've read quite recently about um, Richard Bryce and his and his liking of of swearing. Was did he swear so vociferously? Is that is it's not a rumor that is that is that truth? No, it's um, it's massive, uh, <laughs> massive truth. It's fucking huge. And um, I I ghosted uh, a few years ago Brian Blessed's uh, first volume of autobiography called Absolute mm. Pandemonium, and they did the film. Which one was it with Branner, Emma Thompson, Tuscany, Denzel Washington? Oh God, can't believe I've gone blank. Blessed um, and Bryce, they, they were very, very great friends. And Blessed told me when we were doing this a few years ago that him, Branner, um, somebody else, Pat Doyle, who wrote the music to this film, wasn't was it much ado? It must be much ado. And um, he um, and they, they would have swearing competitions. Amazing. And they would sit around in a huddle, the four of them, and they would shout and bawl at each other um, and swear, and they would take it in turns. And then whoever, it was almost, it was almost like a game show. And then whoever sort of faltered would go, and it was always Briars and um, uh, Dicky, uh, sorry, uh, Briars and Blessed, who who were left cursing each other. So yeah, he was a, a, a prolific. Swear are two things that um, people don't believe about Richard Bryce. A that he was a, a heavy smoker, obviously smoking killed him. Yeah, um, and that he swore like a, an effing trooper. Um, but yeah, he, he did. He was a he was a prolific swearer. Amazing. It was much ado. It, I, I, yeah, I'm just having a quick yeah. check. It was much ado. Yes, you're right. By the way, on that on that film on that film, which also starred Keanu Reeves, um, Richard befriended Keanu Reeves and ended up teaching him all the great Edwardian actor poses, sort of um, strength, um, anger, madness, happiness, um, which um, all his idols, Richard's idols used to, used to um, do, you know, that was, that was their trade on the, you know, the, in, in Edwardian theatre. And he taught um, uh, Keanu Reeves all of them. And he was a very willing student. Apparently. That's brilliant. Fabulous. Yeah. Paul Eddington, who was obviously his co-star in um, The Good Life. Am I right in thinking that's someone that, that you knew as well? No, I didn't know. I, I saw, I we used to work at a theatre called Wyndham's, which is on Charing Cross Road. And one of the last, thing, well, the last thing that Paul ever did was a, um, a play called Home. Yes. By, I think it was David. Yeah. Um, and it, with Richard. Yes. Um, so I saw them both in that, which was the only time I ever saw Richard in, in real life and, and Paul. Yeah. Um, I'm a massive, massive fan of Paul Eddington. Mm. And I think Richard, nobody was happier than Richard when Paul found genuine stardom, you know, in, in um, yes, yes Minister, Yes, yes. Prime Minister. Yeah, of course. Um, nobody was happier. And so I, I think the, the thing about The Good Life is that it's like a good band. It's like the Beatles or Queen or whatever. <laughs> you take as, as good as, as, as strong as all four members are, take one away and there is nothing. You have nothing. Or you have nothing anywhere near as, as strong. And it was exactly the same with The Good Life. All four were, 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 uh, were pivotal 
mm. uh, and none more, none more so than than um, than Paul Eddington. What what an actor! Absolutely. Do you think? Um, obviously, when people turned up to watch Home, um, the play being quite depressing, um, that people turned up thinking that they were going to be watching Tom Good and Jerry Ledbetter. Do you think they were they were expecting more than than what they got? Yeah, they probably weren't. Because, <laughs> um, because Paul was, um, you know, he, he was being treated for cancer at the time. He yeah. was he's being, you know, he was having chemotherapy, and his head, he was very tanned because mm. of the, the the treatment, and also he had a lot of scars on his head. And there was a there was a, a part in the first act where he took his he had to take his trilby off, and obviously he looked like, um, you know, he was very badly scarred. Yeah, it, it was. And, and there was a gasp from the crowd every night. Mm. And he knew, he knew it was coming. Everybody did. It was awful. So on top of the fact that you had all these people turning up thinking that they were going to see, I mean, obviously they didn't know David's story. If they had, then, they, you know, they would know what was coming. But not everybody did. But the ones who did, you know, were expecting that. And then he takes his trilby off and you see all these mm. these scars from his, his radiation treatment or whatever it was. And it was... It was a it was a gloomy affair, I'm yeah. afraid. It really was. Just on the topic of of, of Margaret Thatcher, I think Ben had, had picked up recently on um, the story behind Richard Bryer's obit in The Spectator, um, describing him initially as a Thatcherite hero that was later amended to focus on the the Margot character. And um, was this something that um, that his family was aware of or that they were, were sort of a bit upset about? I don't know. Did you know anything about well, what, that? Richard's, what, what, Richard's own politics or, mm. or... Well, Richard was an old-fashioned an old-fashioned Tory. He was not, not a Thatcherite. Yeah. It, under any any circumstances. I don't think he liked her very much, but he was... Uh, all I know from, from his family that he was, uh, yeah, um, an, old, an old-fashioned Conservative. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, he was the Telegraph reader. Mm. Um, he, di- he didn't care for, he didn't care for the Guardian. <laughs> he didn't care for the, uh, the the lobbies, the sort of bleeding heart liberals, etc. Mm. So, um, he also, with, you know, the same respect, he didn't care for for um, for Uber greed either. And he was a, obviously a very charitable man. Um, and contrary to, to popular belief, those sort of old-fashioned Tories were, you know, very altruistic. Mm. Uh, and I think that was what Richard uh, Richard was. That's what he said he was anyway. And that's what I mean. His his daughter Lucy. Um, mm. That's the way she described him. Within um, obviously the, the the good life is is our sort of um, our area of, of of what we we sort of chat about in in depth quite a lot. His relationship with Felicity Kendall, obviously on screen when you see them as the goods, um, it is the 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 ultimate in in a relationship. Everything seems to. To, to work and, and it and it goes as as relationships do. Um, his actual relationship on friendship with with Felicity Kendall it seemed quite strained t- towards the end, quite distant based on the on comments from sort of both parties. Was that the case? Were they just work colleagues? Did they did they fall out of out of touch later on? Well, I think I think if they were if they'd been if I mean a, there was there was a bit of a an age difference, but if the two of them had been absolute bosom buddies. I'm not sure whether they would have had the the sort of chemistry, you know, they say opposites yeah. attract, mm. et cetera. And had they been, it would have been too easy. It would have been far too easy. It wouldn't, it would have been too contrived 
almost. But, um, you know, answering your, your original question, um, focusing on that. No, I think it was just a case of the fact that they, they never got in touch. Um, and one when, when he died, um, Felicity Kendall, I mean, said publicly that one of her biggest regrets was not having kept in touch mm. with Richard. But she had no idea how, and he was ill for years, but she had no idea. Had she known, I think she would have got in touch, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, at the end of the day, there was a, there was a very famous, um, you remember the Likely Lads? Yeah. Um, and there was this whole thing about Rodney Bue's, you know, uh, James Boland not wanting to keep in touch mm. after after the series had finished. And he said later that, you know, acting's a very transient profession. Um, and, you know, you come out of a job, you go to another job. Yeah. You come out of another job, you go to another job. And I think, um, you know, I think that that was basically what it was. Richard had loads of friends in the business, but he didn't necessarily, apart from, I think he'd gone very, very well with Ronnie Barker, John Thor and a few others, mm. but you know, Felicity um, Penelope Keith. He wasn't in touch with Penelope uh, Keith a bit with Paul Eddington um, and a few others. Mm. But Felicity Kendall, I don't think she was actually any. I think oh, this is only because the press focused on it yeah. and asked her the question. But I don't think um, I don't think there was any anything lacking there. They might have caught Richard in a you know towards the end in a you know he might have been a bit grumpy the fact that she hadn't been in touch with him. Yeah, but I think that I think genuinely think it was just um, that. that was it was genuinely that was it, and I think that was that was confirmed when Felicity said after he died that she regretted not having kept in touch. Yeah, of course. Uh, one suggestion that we have had for for our next deep dive show um, is Faulty Towers, um, obviously starring the wonderful Prinella Scales, um, who we starred with in Marriage Lines on the TV and on radio. Um, did they get on? With, what was their relationship like? Yeah, they got on very, very, uh, very, very well. Richard was very good friends with uh, Tim West. Yeah. Uh, who married Prue, I think, I, I, I was lucky enough to interview them both um uh, for the book and uh, unfortunately Prue wasn't very well at the time mm. you know I think she's got Alzheimer's or yeah. or dementia but you know memory isn't what it was but we had a great chat it was a lot of fun and um and their relationship was was I think started with marriage lines and um yeah it was very very cordial again they were they were good friends but sorry just you know, reverting this back to, to what you were saying before, mm. you know, they, they, were, they were pals, they were chums. And um, over the, the last few years of, of Richard's life, probably didn't see each other very often. Yeah. You know, things, things happen. Everything's, a, you know, of its time. Of Marriage lines was, and they kept in touch and they were great friends. And, you know, they always consider each other friends. Like mm. Brian Murphy, Brian Murphy's connection with Richard went back to the, you know, right back to the beginning when he was doing, amateur you know amdram um and they didn't really work together very much saw each other every so often but um considered each other very close friends if we were still lucky enough to have richard Briers around now and he was well and still acting what what do you think he would be doing now what kind of stuff do you think he would be involved in he would be doing the same one of the last uh roles he did on stage was at the national in london assurance um, and he played, God, I can't remember. If, you're, if, you, if you've got Google, uh, hmm. London Assurance, National Theatre, Richard Briers, and it's a great name as well. The, the character he played is fantastic. Um, but anyway, he played, it was one of these character roles that is a scene stealer. 
So basically, you know, he'd have a car that would pick him up in Richmond and take him to the National. He'd go on for 10, 15 minutes, take about, and everybody would just talk about Richard Bryars at the end of the show. And there'd be Simon Russell Beale and Fiona Shaw thinking, what the fuck happened there? You know, <laughs> came on, you know, that was, I think that's what he'd be doing. He'd be doing loads of, he'd be doing lots of retrospectives mm. uh, about, you know, rhubarb and custard, yeah. you know, etc. cetera. Yeah, um, one of the people I interviewed for the book about um, ever decreasing was Ricky Gervais, who's a massive fan. Yeah. And that's never been repeated on terrestrial television. And it's never, there's never been the big retrospective. There've been a few things, you know, people, but that's what he would be doing. He'd be celebrating yeah. his, 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 his work and other people's work. He'd be talking about Woodhouse and Ibsen and, and people like that. He would be, and he would be a sir. He would definitely be a yeah. sir. The fact that he, he died a, a CBE, which is wonderful, but not a sir is, uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's a bit of snobbery there with regards to, to people who've appeared in comedy, unfortunately. Mm. Helps. Belts. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for sharing um, all the stuff that you know about Richard Bryce with us. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's been it's been lovely to chat with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. No, and uh, well done with the uh, the podcast. I, I genuinely really enjoy it. So, oh, uh, that's no, good to hear. Up. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that's wonderful. Pleasure. You take care. More Than Just a Good Life, the authorised biography of Richard Bryars was published by Constable and is available in print and to download from all usual places. You can also follow James on Twitter at JamesAHog2 and we'll be back with our next episode of the Saro Podcast on Tuesday. <laughs>